are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on in to another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. As always, thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day. And a reminder that you can go and show support down below by smashing that like button, commenting down below, and of course, go and subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube as well. It won't cost you anything. It's 100% free and really does go a long way for yours truly. Joining me today, a very special guest, a reoccurring guest. It's none other than Charlie Rumeliotis, who you probably recognize from All his great work with NBC Sports Chicago, one of the best in the business. Charlie, my friend, great to have you back on, dude. How's the uh, start of the season been treating you? Yeah, so I will be sending you a Venmo later for that really kind intro of yours. Um, Okay, I have to say something. Every time I'm on here, something else gets added. Like last time I was on, you had a bottom line. Now there's an intro video, a little rundown on the side. Dude, this is is sweet. I don't know what you're going to have in store next time I'm on. (laughs) But it feels like every time I'm on, something new is is different. Something different is is new with the show, and it's uh, it's solid. It looks sweet. I love the setup. Well, thank you very much for the kind words. The uh, the the hardworking folks behind the scenes here at the Lockdown Podcast Network will greatly appreciate that. And yeah, it's a, a pretty solid setup here, man. It's uh, starting to get starting to get the whole full effect that we're wanting. So <laughs> glad to hear that uh, you're enjoying it as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Ready to talk some Blackhawks. Yeah, how was uh how's the start of the season treating you? I know we were talking off air that it's been uh, a little bit of a wonky schedule. We were busy right out of the gate, and then we've been getting a lot of time off. How have you been uh, handling kind of going through the ringer here so far? Yeah, it's been a very weird schedule. We were obviously, like you said, talked talking about it off the air, where all this practice time it feels like we're in the middle of training camp again, where it's game and then it's off day, practice, practice, game, then it's practice practice I mean it's just you kind of wanted to get into a, a rhythm of the games and we're, we're eventually going to hit that point in the schedule where we are getting games every other night but it, it is very weird having a lot of time in between games so just trying to find the storylines but also not wanting to beat a storyline to death because we're still dissecting the game from like three days ago so um, it's been a, a weird challenge but good good to be back in the in the full swing of things Yeah, I've been kind of having similar problems here on the show. I don't want to give all my (laughs) listeners out there just the same content day in and day out. So uh, we did look forward to the month of December for the Blackhawks schedule, and we won't be saying the same thing in (laughs) less than a month's time, Charlie. The Blackhawks are going to be having games every other day, so we'll have plenty of games to cover, which will keep us nice and busy. But yeah, the Blackhawks, obviously, Charlie, are 13 games into the start of the regular season. Now they're off to a... 5-8-0 start. We know Connor Bedard is lighting the world on fire. Don't worry, everyone. We'll get to him in just a second. But before we do that, Charlie, I kind of wanted to hear what maybe were your expectations for this Blackhawks team going into this season. And now that we're 13 games in, not the biggest sample size, but we're starting to get a little little bit of an idea here, right? Um, What has kind of maybe been something that you learned or, or something that's caught your eye through these first 13 games? Yeah, um, it's kind of been what I've expected as far as where they're at in the standings and just I know they have a lot of young players like Connor and and Reichel and Korchinski and Kaiser and Vlasic, but 
there are some veterans mixed in to make sure that a lot of there are some stabilizers in there. So like the one thing that is very notable for me is anytime there's a, a bad loss, the Blackhawks tend to bounce back with, with a, with a nice win. Right. I think about the, the, it was these, the Montreal game. Let's just go back to the start of the season. Montreal. I remember talking to Tyler Johnson uh, in the locker room and he was like, he was not happy with the performance, even though they, were tight it was tight at the end he just was not happy with it they bounced back with a big win in toronto which was probably their most complete effort of the season even to date um and then there was that that boston loss that luke richardson called out his team the next day they end up having a multi-goal win in vegas to hand them the first loss of the season overtime victory and then um and then obviously they had the the players only meeting and and they bounced back from that. And these are all really good teams that there's another one I'm missing in there, but these are all really good teams that they're bouncing back against. I think the problem is stringing together the wins, you know, like it's, it's one thing to have those to bounce back performances from the losses, but then having that win, but not being able to follow it up. That's where we're seeing maybe the it's hard for that. It's hard for this Blackhawks team. And I'm writing about this on Tuesday for NBC Sports Chicago, but the schedule has been terrible for Chicago. Like, so bad. they don't have a breather. I mean, it's all these elite NHL teams, the best of the best. And so it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to kind of get momentum. I, I think they eventually will get there, but that's, that's been the early read on my, on the, the situation for me so far. And that's something I feel like fans can buy into, right? And, Maybe, you know, we don't expect this Blackhawks team to go and compete for the Stanley Cup playoffs this season, but we did want to start seeing some signs of life and not, you know, having those games or those stretches where they go three or four games where they look completely lost and fall flat on their face, especially as you referenced against some of the best teams in the NHL. Those -hmm. are things it feels like where we can start to see. I know it's still early in this rebuild, but just progression because think about the last couple of years how many times we saw this Blackhawks team go on five six seven game or even more losing streaks right and it feels like even going back to last year with Luke Richardson that really hasn't been the case so that's definitely been something that's very noticeable to me Uh, you brought up actually Luke Richardson kind of calling out his team a little bit following that I believe it was a three nothing loss to the Boston Bruins is what it was what did you make of that because at the time it felt like I mean, I get it, dog, but they're also like going through the ringer here. But I do feel like at the same time, that's what makes Luke Richardson, Luke Richardson and us, us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I I loved his, I love the mindset of it, like calling out. I don't think he was calling out his team because he, he was like, we expect to be a right. playoff team this year and or whatever. He knows the situation. Right. But as a coach, you also have to make sure that you're setting the standard and and not allowing those young players to kind of get used to hey this is a rebuilding year i it's going to be tough but you know let's just get through it like they they still want to internally set a high standard within that locker room right so i think that's where luke is saying hey yeah we were able to hang our hat on we had the hard working label last year but we want to we want to see improvement we want to take strides this year and not get used to how last year felt they're losing last year. Right. So, I mean, the Blackhawks are still going to finish towards the bottom of the NHL and the standings, and they're going to get a high pick again this year, but it's still important to kind of set that expectation of, Hey, let's not be satisfied. Let's push for more this year. 
even if the results don't show it, like let's still make sure that we're trying to at least aim to do it. Um, so it, it is a it is a fine bet, and I don't think Luke was saying. I don't think Luke is like he, he understands. He wasn't yeah, him. yeah, and he also understands the situation. He's he, it's not like this roster was put together to you know to compete. Like he he knows he's not dumb. Um, but he as a coach, you're, you you don't want to settle for it. You know, you don't want to make sure that it's like so. I, I I didn't mind it, and even the players only meeting like a lot of like I got a lot of comments from that from fans just saying like that was a bizarre game to have a players only meeting. But one, they didn't play terrible. And two, it's not like the Blackhawks or the Edmonton Oilers where there were Stanley Cup favorites and they're like, we we got a slow start out of the gates. What's going on? Like the Hawks were supposed to be bad again this year. But again, it's the Nick Felinos, the Corey Perry's, the Connor Murphy's, all those guys in the room are like, hey, let's let's make sure that we're still uh, holding ourselves to a high standard because this is how it should be when we are, you know, a playoff contender or Stanley Cup contender, whatever we get to that point. Yeah, I completely agree. Those were basically the same sentiments that I felt about that matter that I said on my show. Uh, Charlie, we've gone nine and a half minutes here and we haven't brought up that Connor Bedard guy. I don't know how my listeners and and viewers are going to be feeling about that. So we're going to talk about the 18 year old phenom here for a little bit. Obviously he's starting to get it going here. He's now got back to back two goal performances that gives him seven in his last six and nine through his first 13 NHL games. And this isn't maybe necessarily to make it seem like he got off to a slow start. He was still getting his footing and everything. But now it feels like he's gotten to the point where he's not just figuring it out anymore. He's starting to learn what it takes to take over games. Maybe what have you seen out of him in these last few nights uh, that, that maybe has stood out to you and you think maybe led to his recent breakthrough? Or was it just simply a matter of time because he's that damn good? My chat with Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago will continue here in just a moment. But first, real quick, I need to talk to you all about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. Because eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or die every time or else you'll get your money back. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and to bring home that win. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Yeah, probably a little bit of both, but I think more so what's impressing me is not the fact that he is scoring goals. It's how he's doing them. It's it's out muscling a Norris trophy winner who's double his size in Victor Hedman. It's stripping Nikita Kucherov, who's an MVP winner in this league in the neutral zone to create a scoring chance. It's, you know, it's beating Sergei Bobrovsky with an insane shot from 13 feet out. I mean, it's, these are the, some of the best goaltenders or best players in the world. Um, Bobrovsky has two Vezina trophies in, on his career. So it's like, and I think where, um, Connor gets so much praise for his shot and his playmaking ability. But the the thing that I've seen the biggest growth from game one to game 13 is 
he has become a relentless four checker and he's not afraid to get to go to the go to the dirty areas where you know like if there are other skilled players in the NHL typically it's like okay pair them with a guy that will go do the dirty work and then they will give the puck to the to the skilled player connor's like hey i'll go do the dirty work too get the puck for myself and then we can create our entire line and that is a different layer to his game and it I, I said it on our podcast today, but it, it kind of reminds me of Alex Dabrinkit. Remember when he had that really, uh, he had that down year where he he didn't score a lot, and he was like, "Man, I I have to, I have to round out my all around game." And he like the next season, he obviously scored. He got bounced back in the goal column, but he became a relentless forechecker. He was stripping pucks. He was being that gritty guy. We're seeing that with Bedard, and it took him thirteen games to to realize it, or maybe not realize it, but. Like Luke Richardson said, they they were kind of pushing him to be more physical as far as like winning board battles and going out and getting stripping pucks. I mean, boy, oh boy, it's I mean, we we already saw that pay off immediately in Tampa Bay and then in Florida. So I, I think the floodgates are just starting that now he's not going to have four points or three points every night, but the floodgates are going to open as far as him creating even more chances because he's kind of had this realization that he should be doing or, you know, just become a relentless four checker. Yeah. And it feels like obviously the, the big talk about him was the release and the goal scoring abilities that he has. But I think maybe the biggest thing that surprised me is just how much he's able to, it feels like he's almost a, a Sidney Crosby type of player where I remember players saying about Sidney Crosby, he's the grindiest top line center that you'll see because he just does things. He'll go against opposing teams, top players. Like we've seen Bedard do a lot this season. And now he's, we're starting to see him strip players of the puck and not just show off that strong wrister. He's scoring goals by forcing turnovers himself. And it feels like he's really allowing himself to, to find that next gear and is really getting that confidence in all areas of the game. Not just when the puck is on his stick, he's doing it by taking it away from other guys. And as you referenced, some of the best players in the NHL. So that's kind of been, I think, maybe the biggest ascension that we've seen in the last few days. I also wanted to ask you, Charlie, um, what has maybe been the biggest thing that surprised you about Connor Bedard? As someone that gets to cover him, and obviously there's the media circus that follows him, has there been anything at all in particular that's surprised you about him? Well, I think the fact that he... He lives and breathes hockey, which we all knew this, but it is to a different level than even I thought to the point where it's kind of like a running joke. Now he's always the last one off the ice in practice and he stays out there significantly longer than everyone else that the Blackhawks will open up their locker room so we can do our interviews, whether it's a practice, a morning skate. And because he's still out on the ice, we have to like wait for him to get off the ice. And sometimes we're in there a very long time, like waiting to talk to Connor. And because we're waiting to talk to Connor, that pushes back Luke Richardson's media availability. So like Luke Richardson, and I think he made the joke again today where he's like, we got to kick Connor off the ice sometimes because it's <laughs> delaying me by like an hour and a half of coming up here and talking to you guys. So it's a joke, but when we say he lives and breathes hockey, he legitimately, this is all he does. I mean, it's just, it reminds me, I don't even know what it reminds me of. I, I mean, it reminded me of Patrick Kane at the end of like the last few years here in Chicago, where he would always be out in the ice working with the or working with, with some of the younger players. But 
boy, oh boy, it's every single practice that Bedard is the very last guy off the ice and we're kind of just sticking around waiting for him. So, I mean, that's the thing that's impressed me the most. It's not, it's not just, he gets by with his skill and he's so talented. It's this guy puts an insane amount of work into his craft. And during training camp, like somebody had told me the security guards there were, they, they were waiting on Bedard every single day. Like he was the last guy out of the building every day. I mean, that, that guy's 18 years old and he he's kind of setting an example inside that organization. I don't think he's being, um, like he's not doing it for show. I mean, he, he is, I mean, he, he is so dedicated to his craft that it's just, it's crazy to see up front and in person, um, how that manifests itself onto the ice too. And I remember going back to the summer when development camp was happening and they went all off the ice this year. I remember hearing it might've been from Kyle Davidson. Maybe it was from Luke Richardson, but, but someone spoke out about how Bedard was already kind of showing leadership capabilities, despite, you know, the team or the players not being out there on the ice. It feels like that's just by the work ethic that he has drilled into him already at such a young age. Like if you see, if you're a fellow Blackhawks prospector, shoot, even a player that's playing with him right now, and you see the 18 year old kid put in the work like that. Yeah. I'm sure veterans are not going to be, you know, taking it to that level. And we've even heard some guys say, Hey kids, you don't want to burn yourself out too early in the season, but for other prospects and for future Blackhawks moving forward to see a kid who has all the talent in the world and is a generational type prospect for him to have that work ethic alongside it and to have that first man in last man out type of mentality. I think that's all us Blackhawks fans could ask for out of him. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even the, the fact that Korchinski is the one that hangs around with him. Like for example, at practice today, uh, Korchinski, there were a lot of, there were there like five young guys that were on the ice well after practice ended. They were the last five guys and it was Bedard, Korchinski, Reichel, Vlasic, Kaiser. I think Phillips was in there too. And so then one, one, one by one, those young players start to kind of trickle out and then it's two guys left. It's Korchinski. Well, at first it was three guys. It was Reichel, Korchinski, Bedard. And then Reichel went into the locker room and then it was just Korchinski and Bedard. Well, there was a reporter that requested to talk to Kevin Korchinski wanted to do an interview with him. Korchinski comes inside the locker room today. He does the interview and then he goes back onto the ice to continue his post workout, whatever with Bedard. Like if Connor is still not out there, Korchinski doesn't go back out. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's an example of like, Hey, this Connor Bedard, he's the best player on the, on the Chicago Blackhawks. He's 18 years old. He's still putting in the work, even though he can probably get by on his skill. Let's be honest. And it's like, it's forcing these other young players to say, well, if I'm not like, for example, it's hypothetically speaking, if you're Lucas Reichel, you're having a tough time putting on points. You're you're having a tough time kind of breaking through this year. Like I would feel weird if I was one of the first ones in the locker room and I'm like, here's Connor out here still grinding his butt off and he's on an absolute heater. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he earned, he could earn a day to kind of just like, eh, maybe this would be a short practice for me. I'm just going to go out and, you know, like that's how it, it rubs off on those people. And I remember talking to, I think it was Patrick Sharp. He was like, wh- he's like, what made our, what, what made the dynasty era of the, like those cup era teams so good. Like that core is they were all so competitive with each other that it's like, if Kane and Sharp were doing these practice drills, then it's like Taves would come and Hosa would come and they would all just like feed off of each other's competitiveness. So I think 
having Connor Bedard as that leader uh, of this new core is just, it's going to rub off on others. And if it doesn't, it like, you might not be part of this core. <laughs> <laughs> For real. All right, this conversation with Charlie Romeliotis will continue in just one second, folks. But real quick, I need to talk to you all about Sleeper. The NHL season is finally here. Are the Vegas Golden Knights going to reign supreme once again? I love the NHL, and I know all you do as well. And that's why I'm here to talk to you all about Sleeper. Sleeper is my go-to platform for daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey. Because with Sleeper, you have the chance to win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy action. And the NHL has literally never been more exciting than it is right now with star players like Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, Kale McCarr, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, and of course, our baby boy, Connor Bedard, right here in Chicago. And all you need to do is simply select more or less based on the stats provided, such as goals, assists, points, saves, and more. And again, Sleeper offers 100 times your cash on daily fantasy sports. So start paying attention, make the right picks, and you could win real big. Entries can be made in under 30 seconds, and Sleeper is live right now in 28-plus states. And you can also go and use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps, and you'll get up to an $100 match on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps, and you can go and see Sleeper's terms of use right now for more details. Um, I also wanted to give you some props here, Charlie, because I thought a couple of weeks ago, you wrote a really good piece about how you're trying to balance not having the spotlight and not being all over Connor Bedard 24 seven, but also still doing your job and putting out the content that Blackhawks fans wanted to see. Uh, I thought you put it in a, a really good manner and I thought it was a really well done post for those of you out there listening or, or watching this, you can uh, go and find that article. I believe you still have it pinned on your, uh, yeah. profile. So Definitely make sure to go and check that out. But obviously it's been a, a very hectic world for Connor Bedard these last five, six months. How, how do you feel that he's handled it all? I mean, we, we were just talking about his work ethic, obviously, and all that stuff. And there's been a lot of talk of how mature he is at 18 years of age. But how, how do you feel like he's, he's handled that? Do you feel like he enjoys it? Like he just brushes it to the side and understands it's part of it? Well, what do you think he, he feels about all of it? Yeah, I think... I think he's so used to it by now that it's just, he knows that it's just part of something that he has to do. Um, it's funny because I've, sometimes I find myself not wanting to ask a question to him, even if I want to ask it, because I, I've i been around him already so much that I'm, I'm like, I already know what his answer is going to be, you know? Like, right. it's kind of weird where it's like, okay, you know, for example, like Tampa, um, in Tampa and in Florida, he was obviously on hat trick watch for both of those games. And uh, Thursday, the Tampa Bay game, he was asked after the game, like, "Hey, what, what, at all, at any point were you thinking about the hat trick? You know what I mean?" And he was he totally like shrugged it off, like, "Oh, it's just, I'm just focused on making the right play. I don't really care, or whatever." Well, then on on uh, Sunday against Florida, you know, like it could have been easy for me to say, "Hey, were you thinking about the hat trick?" But I'm like, first of all he doesn't like individual accolades. So he's not going to answer this in the way that I think he will or right. want him to. And two, it's like, I already know what he's going to say. Cause I heard it on Thursday. You know what I mean? It's just some of those things that, um, it is weird. It is weird. Cause it's like, you don't want to not ask a question, but you, it kind of challenges you as a reporter to try to think of a new question or think of a different question to ask him so that 
it's not just a, the same answer or or a generic he can just go to his well of answers that you know so um it, it is a weird balance and like i had somebody say hey it's it's not your job to protect you know the kid it's it's the team's job to make sure and i'm i get that but at the same time as somebody that feels like morally convicted that i i could potentially be playing a role in in the circus and and not wanting to overwhelm him or feel like he's kind of suffocating um i do try to pick my spots and when i talk to him what i need from him and not just you know kind of bothering him with nothing because i'm sure there are times where he he wants to practice he wants to go to a morning skate and he just wants to go to his locker and just talk to the guys and like you kind of just want to respect his space too because that is their sanctuary in there like i know we have a job to do but it's also yeah you know, it's also, you don't want to bother them in their environment. So, um, I I'm not sure I'll ever get it right. Like, I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if he'll ever see me as, or if he'll ever be like, Oh yeah, Charlie, he strikes the right balance. Like he might get annoyed with me. He might not, I don't know, but hopefully at least I, I feel like, uh, if I'm thinking about that, at least it's a positive step. Well, I know many Blackhawks fans out there think you're doing a fantastic job in terms of the balance covering Connor Bedard. So you're, don't... you're upping your Venmo, by the way, from earlier. <laughs> hey, keep them coming, baby. Uh, but I know I do do not feel alone when I say that. We think you're doing a phenomenal job of covering Connor Bedard so far this season. A couple minutes ago, you mentioned Lucas Reichel. He's another young player that's garnering some attention right now, but for opposite reasons than Connor Bedard is. He's only got two points, both assists through his first 13 games this year. He's been kind of moved around in the lineup between the center and the wing. It feels like it's kind of like a, a daily practice update at this point. Where is Lucas mm-hmm. Reichel? Is he playing down the middle or <laughs> is he off on the wing? Uh, what are kind of your your thoughts on Lucas Reichel's slow start here? It does feel like he's gotten it going a little bit these last few games, but after seeing what we saw in, in training camp in late last year, I don't know about you, but it felt like he was – on that bubble of maybe becoming a really big impact player for this Blackhawks team this year. And I even went as far to say as in my uh, kind of um, far-fetched predictions, if you will, on the Blackhawks this season, I said it wouldn't be crazy if Lucas Reichel led them in points. That just doesn't look like it's translated so far in these first 13 games. What have you kind of seen about Reichel's game and what are your thoughts on, on this start of his? Yeah, it was, I go back to the, the very opening road trip of the season and my biggest takeaway from those five games is his line. They had really tough first periods, but then they really bounced back in like the second and third. So it, there was a little bit of a slow start, but then you get into game eight, game nine, and it's like, he didn't have a point. And <laughs> I know, I know they're, they're like points aren't everything. Like yeah, you could look across the NHL and you know, if, if players go on point droughts, you, Sometimes you can look at the analytics and be like, this guy's due. I, I don't know if I ever have felt that with Reichel. Like, I don't think, oh man, it's only a matter of time before the floodgates open. He's creating a ton of chances. They're just not going in. I don't really feel that. And I think that's a little bit more concerning. Um, but I will say this. I, I think, and I remember writing this last year. I just think long-term he's better on the wing. He was drafted as a winger. It's hard to it's hard to remember that because he's been center essentially every time he's been in this organization. But he was drafted as a left winger, and it was his German team that ended up moving him to center overseas right out out of the draft year, and he overachieved there. And they're like, "Oh, okay, the Hawks were like, we'll keep him there and let him continue to develop." And I actually didn't mind it. I th- I was like, "That's a good idea. Let let him kind of 
round his all around, all around game, make him become a little bit more defensively responsible. And then you can bump him to the wing in the NHL. And he already has those defensive instincts in him. And it's weird how, if you break down the numbers of Reichel as a center in the NHL versus Reichel as a winger, I mean, it is night and day, the production at least, but having, having watched him this year, like I was one of the guys that was like, Hey, time to move him to wing. Like it's, I think it was after game, game nine or 10. I think it was after the Boston game. I can't remember which, which one. And sure enough, they, they ended up moving him to wing the next day, but he still hasn't been great. So like, I, I don't want to say that like, I'm validated and thinking that, Oh, that was the right move because today at practice, we're recording this on Monday night. He, he was on, he was at center again because there was no uh, Athena who's out. So Here's my feeling though. This is a long-winded answer, but I, I think playing wing for him is more mentally freeing than anything. Like I think if you look at the video of him playing center and him playing wing, like the Blackhawks internally might be like, it's not all that different. It's 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 very it's it's kind of similar, but it's not different. I just think for him, if he knows I'm a wing, like I'm playing wing, somebody else can handle the defensive responsibilities, be the guy down low. And I don't have to be the the last guy into the offensive zone because I'm leading. It just feels like it frees him up a little bit. We haven't seen that in the few games that he has been playing wing this year, but I still feel like that's where he's best suited. And so I think that's where he's best suited long-term too. Like when the Blackhawks are, and that's, this is the confusing part to me too. The, the Blackhawks seem, or they seemed um, adamant that we want him at center. Yeah, but it's not like he. It's not like they don't have centers in the pipeline, like Oliver Moore, Frank Nazar. They're going to have two first round picks again this year. They're going to have to. It's not like they have to be married to it, you know. I think, and this is my theory. I think they were just really challenging him to see how mentally tough he he could be. Like, hey, we're giving you this challenge of being a center. Like, show us what you're made of. And to his credit, he actually got better in the faceoff circle. Yeah. He's really improved there. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to maybe just throwing him out there on draws, but then letting him kind of drift over to the wing. But it seems like they're, they want him, they want him more like, Hey, uh, we want you to chat. We want to challenge you to, to be better as a center while the, the puck is in play, as opposed to the faceoffs. I don't know. That's just my theory on it. I, I'm not, you know, like I, I'm sure there, there are divided opinions out there, but I just think ultimately he, he is a winger and that's where he should be when the Blackhawks are. Uh, you know, playoff contenders at some point down the road.